0: Hey, happy Monday everyone and welcome back to the I5 Corridor's Traffic Report. Tyson Alger here joined by Shane Hoffman. <sighs> yeah. Another uh, colossal miss. I mean, by I, the mean I-, you, I, I mean you can you can go on the website and read what I wrote from Saturday, but uh yeah, uh Washington if 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 you made the trip to Autzen Stadium, uh boy, that was it was totally worth your money. Uh, that was, I mean, you know, I think I think both the column last week and then what I wrote on Saturday were both a little kind of tongue in cheek, but like like ultimately, that was like one of the most fun football games I've covered in a really long time, uh, no, Shane. No that doubt. was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shane. That was that was one of your first ones uh, in the press box at Otson this season. How uh, how'd that one go for you? Yeah,
1: it was uh interesting. You know, I haven't been. I've I've covered plenty of games in Austin and I've been covering games throughout the year. But this was the first one in the Austin press box this season. And uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, I'm I'm there under an I five credential, um, but yeah, being the hustler that I am, I've also been doing some of these for the Tribune and, and whatnot, and just writing quick gamers for them. And um, in the past, they've wanted. A quick on deadline you know five to ten minutes after the game you know a few hundred words on the game and then you expand that out and you make it longer after the interviews and everything and um, I was stressing you know it it was
0: um, look man you're you're good at playing everything pretty cool especially for the fact that like what you're like 22 years old you've been out of school for a few months um, you're riding at a pretty high level but like I haven't really had to see you like sweat on deadline before and uh, it was just fun. To, it was just fun to watch because, like you know, like I've, I it's been a long time. You know, especially since uh, I can kind of set my deadlines now. But it's it's been a long time since I remember like that feeling of like, oh my god, this story's due in twenty minutes. The score, like the game's not going to end for fifteen. Like, what the hell do I do? Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad you got to experience that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I had had a few of these this year with Oregon blowouts where, or, you know, honestly, even like, um, well, some Oregon state stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Cause I pride myself on, on usually being pretty good about deadline. And then of course the yeah, other ended up dropping the deadline. So, and that was after <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, we, you were almost thinking I should write a story about this because it'd be kind of cool to learn about like the process, but so for, like, you know, the lead, that your first few sentences or paragraphs, um, I always like to have something unique. I don't like to have anything generic, even if it's on deadline. And so when Basa got scenes, that – Little scenes. Yeah, something, that, yeah. right? So when Basa got that pick on the goal line, and it was, like, the first defensive play in a third quarter, that, or I guess it was the start of the fourth quarter, but it was, like, after a third quarter that had, what, like 30-something total points scored, um, <laughs> which is pretty pretty nuts quarter and uh so i started with the boss interception and then two minutes later i changed it and i went about geez, i kid you not like six or seven different leads um yeah. and I'm just completely wasted my time on every single one of them and then it ended up actually i ended up getting a great lead because i rode the um i rode the elevator down with the um the offensive coordinators and analysts from washington and they were kind of they were given um Panicked some crap for that same interception but then kind of shook it off and that was my essentially my thing is that winning kind of masks a lot and that an eight game win streak had masked what is just an abominable defense for the bucks
0: yeah uh meanwhile um at at oregon home games you're allowed uh, reporters are allowed to go down on the field for the last five minutes of the game and uh usually... which i would have loved to do <laughs> it was a good one for it um so usually you get down there and you you pick whatever side of the field like the ball's going towards and you know at most usually you know there's maybe two possessions left in that last 5 minutes uh i think i got like a solid 5000 steps in going from one side of the end zone to the other to back to the other like it was me and hayden herrera um and like I had, I had a really good view for the the Washington go ahead t- or sorry the Washington tying t- was it the t- so much happened in that last five minutes but I don't remember yeah. But the the, the, the yeah. sixty three yarder down the sideline basically came right at me and uh, it was it was something to hear that stadium just go completely silent uh, from that perspective uh, just because like Austin was rocking that game like that was a great crowd it was a great environment great weather um, and just ultimately a, a a really, really, really fun football game that was devastating for Oregon fans and, and Oregon's kind of football or playoff chances. But, you know, ultimately the way we're looking at it after that game too, like Oregon shouldn't be anywhere near the playoff with that defense.
1: Oh, man.
0: It's like so Like bad. I've
1: gotten a lot wrong this year, but the one thing I haven't gotten wrong is every time anybody professionally or socially brings up the Ducks in the playoffs to me, I'm, I just – I shut it down because – you know, I think I think maybe the last time I the first time I acknowledged it was kind of on the podcast last week, but the defense like just has not been good at all. Like I can't not, remember like a not single once. week where they've been not yeah. once. Even against Colorado, yeah, it only looks like they gave up a few points, but they one of those was like a seventy yard touchdown and they've had they've given up a sixty plus yard passing touchdown in like three or four straight weeks now. You know, uh there's a lot of stats floating around. There's been a lot of stats floating around. It's pretty clear now. If they're not the worst passing defense, they're bottom five, probably in the nation, especially third down defense. Um, and and some of the stats about that game, like they hadn't had 592 yards or more and lost since the 70s, I think. Um, there's just yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a pretty tough scene, and it really makes you appreciate Bo I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and anytime that. I don't know, I was watching that game, and it just, the, the way Washington was moving the ball downfield, it reminded me of almost, like, every game the Ducks played in 2016, and that was the season that got everyone canned. So uh, that's not necessarily a, a great <laughs> a comp that, that you want to be uh, be associated with. But, like, it, you know, I, I told you this during the game. It was just, like, I think Oregon needs to have, like, either a pick six or a turnover or something to, to have any shot in this because, um, you know, you can... I, I think a lot of people look back at like some of the defenses that Oregon had during like their streak with Chip Kelly when Nick Aliotti was defensive coordinator and they gave up a lot of yards, but like, if you're going to give up yards, you have to be advantageous. And like Oregon was nowhere near making any plays on the ball in that game outside of the Christian Gonzalez one. But like how many times, how many times was there just like guys wide open, like 10, 10 feet away from anybody like in that zone. Right. Like it was just, it was, it was gross. <laughs> was. Remind me now, was the Avalos was Avalos's
1: first year twenty nineteen?
0: Yes. And he was in that defense was nails. Like they led the nation, I think, in interceptions or was close right. to the top. They like were, was... Yeah,
1: they were they were they were good yardage wise, but the reason they ended up being so good and end up, you know, propping up an offense that was probably performing under its potential just because of first of all and the reins he put on that offense was because of the turnovers. You know, they had NFL players on that defense, but so does this defense. But it's just drastically different in terms of – and I, I realize turnovers is, is luck, and it's differential yeah. season to season. And we saw that kind of start
0: to change with USC too, but I don't know. It's, from, yeah, it's tough. From From your perspective up in the press box, like what, what did you think of the fourth and one call? Um, it was It was kind of chaos down – on the field. So it was kind of hard to to make a judgment call on it, but it's something that yeah. landing has been getting smoked for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I sent out a tweet in the middle of the game where, uh, I said Noah Whittington was, uh, was lacking in production compared to the other, other running backs. And that's because he was only averaging 7.2 yards per carry in the game compared to right. like, everyone. Else. And it was just like, I like yeah At, in the moment, I was like, of course you go for it. Like Oregon's defense can't stop anybody like, Washington's defense hasn't been able to stop the Ducks all game and like he slipped like that was my that was my my thought process from it but obviously I didn't have like the full field view like you did up there
1: yeah so there's a few different things going on and excuse me I also do want to talk about the overall coaching philosophy and some of the the calls that I think Lanning's get getting wrongfully dragged for in a second Um, yeah it was tough because at this point I'm like Deep in Google Docs, trying to figure out what the hell to write, but um, <laughs> the, yeah. So that play, I actually watched it back a few times. The the after I got back from the game, so you know Whittington slips, but I will say, because Ty was not going to keep that. It, it looked like a read option, but Ty was never going to keep that. There was a handoff the whole way. Um, one of the um, Washington linebackers was on top of Whittington. Like unless he breaks a tackle, that's getting like, that's a loss. That's a loss of yardage. However, I love the call because. A few different reasons, like I said. They didn't get it there, and I think part of the thing has to be at that juncture in the game um, when it was tied, it's like your defense can't stop anyone. So if you give Washington the ball back with a short field, either they get a stop and a field goal like they did, or it's a quick touchdown you're thinking, which is still something you can go down and tie. I don't think people are thinking about that. Yeah, if you punt it, they have to go farther. But I don't think any one of us would be like, oh, there's no way Washington's going to go down and get a field goal. It's like, oh,
0: Washington's definitely going to get a field goal. It's Man, like, I, are they going to get a field goal or are they going to get a touchdown is the I, question. I, I, I didn't even consider that. Because, um, yeah, like, if Washington has the a full field to go, like, there's probably no time on the clock left at all right. for Oregon for or to have that, what was it, like 50 seconds that, that Knicks had left? Um, right,
1: and that's because, yes, the defense got to stop. But either way, you were going to have about – 40 seconds to a minute. And, you know, if they had gotten that conversion there, they're going to keep running. There's no way in hell they are going to let Ty Thompson throw the ball. We've seen enough right. of him this year to know that they, they don't trust him and probably they shouldn't trust him, to be quite honest. He hasn't exactly had much success even just throwing screen passes. Um, but if they keep going out, even if they don't score, the run game can run the clock out, right? So you're hoping yeah. – I, I thought that was a perfect
0: decision there. And and, yeah, like, and so and, much and, I don't know and yeah and people will look at it too and be like oh you know that final drive didn't amount to anything but like Nick's like there was time for stuff to happen and if those first two passes where Nick's hit his receiver in the chest and that was dropped like they're probably moving the ball downfield like I, I that was that was still a winnable final drive for the Ducks to have and it, they just didn't make the plays for it to happen yeah this whole game is weird because so so they. They do the the. It feels like a like, therapy session, by the way. Just <laughs> like because like I don't remember everything that happened, like because everything happened so fast. So it's, it's nice to kind of go back through it.
1: Well, another part when I was writing the full piece and I was less on a deadline rush, I got the sequence of events wrong three times and I had to catch myself. Like I just completely forgot how everything happened. But that's so why I, I feel like we should just break down the last few minutes because, and we started to there. But so you know, they go all the way down. Oregon does, and then it's it's third and five, I think, after some sort of penalty, and they run that play, the QB keeper, where he just hikes it, and, 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 and bonix just runs up the gut that he actually scored on earlier yeah. in the game, but this time Washington adjusted. They sent a linebacker down. bonix got hurt. Um, he goes off, and by then it's like, well, shit. I mean, what's going to happen now? You know, Washington goes down, um, does what they do, the Ty Thompson sequence happens, um, then the field goal and then bonings comes back out and at that point you're like, Oh, this is at least going to overtime. Buck Irving, who was phenomenal, I think, put up that was the single and I saw I covered the game where Verdell had two sixty something rush yards against Washington State. This was the most impressive running back performance I've seen live.
0: He I, I was I was thinking of tweeting this a couple times, but I didn't want to get I like, could get ahead of like in the moment. But like I... <sighs> Here it goes anyways. I I think Bucky Irving's better than Royce Freeman, who is, who is Oregon's all-time leading rusher. But just in terms of, I don't know, man. I He makes cuts and moves and accelerates in ways that I never saw Royce do. Um, well, and he doesn't even it, get that
1: many carries.
0: So, so I think I this was, was gonna, his most carries. Right. And, and so I was going to say, so, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a differentiating factor is, you know, like for two and a half seasons, Royce Freeman was an absolute bell cow. But... Um. Yeah. Like Bucky's. Bucky's. I mean, it's. I w- wish Oregon. Like every play, I'm excited when they run, just because like something cool happens seemingly every time, especially when you're playing a defense like Washington's.
1: It's great that his nickname is Bucky too. Like fans can so easily gravitate towards that. Um, yeah. And 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 Whittington had a phenomenal game too, and he has all season, and it's like a lightning and lightning thing with those two, and. Anyways, you know, he, you know, Bucky, he he drops two passes on that final drive, but because not much time comes off, they still have a chance. They convert a pretty absurd fourth and fifteen, where Franklin, like he did all night and has all season, was just wide open. And then um, a f- a few plays later, I believe, uh, again, it's, it's a, lo- a lot happened. Is the play where Troy? I mean, just a toe on the line, if anything. And there is some contact. He does get pushed a little bit. He's a skinny guy, whatever. And makes a pretty absurd catch yeah. where I don't think... I mean, I think it's pretty much a lock that Camden Lewis is, is nailing that field goal and sending that to overtime. And, and, you know, that being said, the Ducks could easily have lost in overtime, but that could have been a crazy game. I mean, that where, could have where, easily gone three overtimes.
0: Where where would the ball have been for, for It that, would have ended for... up
1: if he caught that and it stood.
0: Yeah. I believe... It was. It was going to end up being like. wasn't it going to end up being like a fifty-yard field goal?
1: No. Okay. So
0: Okay. No, it was going to be. I think between. I think high thirties. Okay, so yeah, Camden's money from there. I did. Uh, I did lose a little bit of my my Camden Lewis as an NFL kicker momentum uh, watching him attempt that.
1: I think it got touched.
0: Okay. Okay. That helps me because I asked a couple like in the press box. I was like, did somebody get a hand on that? Because it was. You know, I, I when I tweeted the the Lewis NFL thing like a couple months ago, like I got a whole bunch of people jumped in to say like he doesn't have the leg for it. Um, I, I guess I'm just trying I mean, to, go with you the can, you,
1: a, you yeah. see some of these kickers on Sundays, it's not even about having a leg anymore. It's just can you hit the, the chip shots? And a lot of these guys can't, so it's like yeah. you can do that, you can have a, a job on most teams, but um, yeah, the 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 so the thing that's kind of one piece of the fallout from this game, because there's a lot of it. One of it is is the fact I think a lot of fans especially, and, and probably some media members, are questioning Lanning's calls. Not just that fourth and one at the end. Um, He had another fourth down in their own territory. There was the fumble on the goal line after a lot of commotion, although I don't think those two are related. And then there was the onside kick. And hindsight's always 50-50. But the thing that I was thinking about yesterday is you think back to that UCLA game, pretty similar in terms of they're playing – it's it's offense on offense, right? It's just – it's all about scoring. And the onside kick, everybody wrote about it. That changed the UCLA game. Going forward in their own territory, you know, those, on those fourth downs, how much success they had. Those few calls, and everyone was like, oh, Lanning's got the biggest balls in the conference, this, that, in the nation – it's the same calls and it would have had the same outcome in the washington game if they get those they just didn't get them and because they didn't get them playing that same brand that everybody loved of aggressive football they lost narrowly there's nothing more to it than that
0: it, it, am i crazy though for you know I, I obviously wasn't on twitter for like the final 10 minutes of the game cuz i was down on the field and then it was working and drive home afterwards but like i saw like a fair amount of the opinion that, I mean, like, basically what you just said, but more, like, yelling at, at it, like, like as if, like, Oregon fans were basically saying, like, fire Dan, like, this is absurd, Bob. Like, I felt like it was a relatively composed, like, yeah, this probably wasn't, like, the best, you know, like, I don't know, like, I, I didn't I didn't feel like, like, Oregon Twitterdom was, like, the sky is burning after that loss, or, or am I off on that?
1: No, but there's always going to be fans that were... Overly hyperbolic about things like that, and I mean, True. for example, like when I finished my story and I got home, I went over to some place that had been at the game. And yes, you know, they had, they'd had been drinking a little bit when they were at the game, but they were the first thing we talked about were those calls. And I kind of sat there and I said my point, and I'm like, you know, that's a good point. And they weren't fuming by any means; they were upset the right. team lost, and they kind of questioned those calls. I think it was like, quiet. Oh, why the onside kick there when it's a? I think he was like, when it's a tie game, it's like, well. You, if, if they hadn't got against ucla you would have been like well we're up seven points why are we doing an onside kick when in reality it's like whoa yeah step on their necks
0: you know so it's that whole kind of i i like it changes strategy i mean i mean in in retrospect now too like seeing how bad oregon's defense was that entire game like i'm even more in favor of the onside kick because washington was going to score whether they got that ball at the five or whether they got it at oregon's 14. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Yeah,
1: it was incredible that the first half was so low scoring. That game should have been in the forties easily.
0: But I, think, I just I, I, I like the team's up. like red zone conversion rate was like 33% in that game. Or yeah, yeah, that's was, true. Yeah. There were some plays in zone. I was looking, that I was zone, looking I at that box score, but but, but yeah, I guess you was... know
1: you see you see like a guy like Brandon Staley on the Charters, who a lot of Ducks fans probably watch because of Herbert. And he wanted to be this super hyper aggressive guy, but now he's he switches it up too much. Where he makes it, he just it, nonsensically switches it based on the game and the situation. It's like if you're going to commit to that, you have to do it every single time. Otherwise, you're essentially rendering it, um,
0: you know, useless. I don't know. I was, I was. It's it's kind of funny too because I think obviously when you lose out on like like when you're eliminated for the playoff per se. Um, mm. I think uh, I I was listening to a couple podcasts this like national podcasts this morning and it was, you know, like the view of the Pac-12 now that Oregon's out or you know like the race for the and it, I think people a lot of people forget that like this was still Oregon's first conference loss and and you and I were kind of talking before this about like coverage for the Utah game and it's like still still a massive game it's just just the playoffs Huge. not on the table yeah and uh, yeah it it'll be I like I. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely shook after seeing that defense, and I I still think Oregon's offense is is if Knicks is healthy. Um, I think Oregon's offense is still the best in the Pac-12, and I think they can still be the best team in the Pac-12. But uh, I I thought they had a little swagger to them coming into this game, and now I think they're complete. I mean, obviously they're completely beatable, but we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's do a few minutes though on on the whole the whole debate of of playoffs versus, you know, some other bowl game, presumably the Rose Bowl, because I have this all the time with people. And the example I always use is 2019, where looking back, like, yeah, they had a better defense, but that offense wasn't anywhere near this offense's level. They were winning games, you know, by a few scores, right? But not, not this way. And – you get this this hype going, and I I get that's part of college football is the ride. Like, yeah, we're gonna be high until we lose, and you know, then we're gonna be upset. But that's just how it is, right? Because it's only one team can win it. But when they lost ASU in a game that was winnable, like the fallout from that was egregious. Then you fast forward, and no one was excited for the Rose Bowl. But then they win the Rose Bowl in that fashion, and,
0: and you know, it was that like all such everyone a, talks about from
1: yeah, right. And it, it's such a big moment, and it. it Gave gave all this hope going into the offseason. And then we fast forward to this year where everybody, their mom was like, even the more conservative people were like, yeah, 10 and two, but probably nine and three or eight and four. So it's like, yeah, I, like a lot of people, thought that the Ducks weren't going to lose another conference game. I thought they looked that good, despite my worries about the defense, quite honestly. But I've always thought the Rose Bowl would be better and who knows who they'll match up with you know i don't think they're going to get like a wisconsin team like they did that year that's very beatable um i think you know at best maybe they get like a michigan but that's not a super great matchup necessarily but um i think you always have to root for that because i think a, a bad
0: playoff loss can really derail a program it's it's uh it's funny too because like I was going to say like we shouldn't get over our skis here either because they got to play utah tomorrow or this week and oregon state looked freaking great against cal like they played so against great against cal they got cal's offensive coordinator fired uh, <laughs> yeah yeah like it's it, it's this is still there's still some teeth left of this schedule and uh yeah I, I don't know like this goes back to and i think i've said this on this podcast before but you know, there have been stories over the last couple of years about like what they're going to do with the expanded playoff and kind of like some of the bowl games like dragging their feet and i think it was ari wasserman from the athletic who um i like uh he's a very entertaining football writer um but one of his columns was basically because i i think it was like there was some headline about like the rose bowl being kind of like the stick in the mud of of them advancing the next round of the playoff talks or, or something like that and i apologize i don't remember the exact context but he it was, I think it was in a mailbag where he basically just wrote like, who cares about the Rose Bowl? And like, I understand that from the, like a perspective of maybe a national writer or somebody who has covered Ohio state for as long as he has um, where it's like, yeah, like this team, like Ohio state legitimately probably should only care about winning national titles. Cause that's like their type of program. But it's like, man, like I, th- I think probably, you know, nine of the, greatest 15 moments in Oregon history are probably like related to some form of a Rose Bowl or, you know, what i mean. like, that's exaggerating, but like it means a lot to a lot of people. And and I yeah. think that the, the proliferation of the idea that only winning the national title matters is uh it's not great, especially if you uh, uh run a sub stack that is dependent on Oregon fan interest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think, and I, I hope that, you know, fan interest isn't dipping too much. I guess not only a tough loss and um, the way it happened, but it's tough because it was Washington because it was at at home because the playoff implications, but I
0: don't, I don't know. You
1: mentioned, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say like, I don't actually think like the general person who considers himself an Oregon fan, like I don't think their interest dips as much per se, but like the, the overall like national interest in Oregon is done. Uh, Casual fan interest in like you know I live in Portland here and uh, like I I still don't feel like it's it's quite as like Oregon crazed as it was during like the crazy Chip Kelly days. Um, right this, this 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 probably this probably quiets that a little bit. <laughs>
1: but if this is still Lanning's first year, if they go and say they make a Rose Bowl, say they beat a really good team like a Michigan, I don't know, or someone else, like. And that's the first year of landing. Compare that yeah. to the first year of like Chris Ball. And I get there's different um expectations because of the roster, this, that, whatever, but holy hell. Like you're, you weren't a big fan of the Red Box ball? You it was it was a disgusting game of football. <laughs> and you know, that's a crazy first year as a building block where you've got guys coming, you always talk about well, Lanning hasn't even gotten his guys in here yet. And it's right. It's true. Like so you know, that aside, though, you mentioned the 12-team playoff a second ago, and it's really split, like, all the way, you know, from national people all the way down to local fans. I think the perception, it's its just hard to pin down what people think about a 12-team playoff. I love the idea, and it's because of this kind of phenomenon we've been talking about where if you have a 12-team playoff, Oregon is the type of program that's going to be in it every year, you'd think, or, you know, right.
0: uh, every every. It's, realis- it's realistic to be in, con- in, like, realistic contention
1: for it every single season. Every single year. And they should expect that, to be quite honest, because that's the type of program this has been over the last few decades. And then it's like, okay, we could, you know, it's exciting when you're like, whoa, could we be a high seed and, like, win the first game because we play, like, a 10th a seed, whatever, right? Right. But at the very least, you're in the damn thing. And if March Madness is any, you know, example of this, it's like, usually people don't really care where they're seeded when it all starts because... Is like it's March Madness we could be in 11 seed and win three games right you just want to be in the damn thing so this four team playoff all it does is it makes an extremely elite elitist kind of view on the whole thing and then if you're three of the uh if you're um, the three of the four teams that lose you're going to be equally as disappointed I feel like
0: yeah and and, and that's why like you know i think opponents to expanding it will be like well it's still going to be alabama georgia and ohio state and they're Air- clemson name your team and uh, it
1: probably and will
0: it, be it, and it, yeah and it probably will be but that doesn't mean like the 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 5 versus 7 game isn't going to be entertaining as hell or or you know it's it's just right. basically and it's going a- to be entertaining as hell not just because
1: of that matchup but because whoever wins does move on it's not yeah. just a rose bowl where the season is over
0: uh <laughs> I wasn't going to interrupt you, but when you, you talked about, like, Lanning getting his guys in, um, do you know who really needs to get his guys in? Uh, Tosh Lupoi. Because <laughs> yeah. do- it doesn't look like the actual, like, defensive coaching part of the defensive coordinator position is is working super well right now.
1: Yeah, or we could be really bold and say that Dan Lane needs to get a different guy in, a defensive coordinator, which I'm not going to say, because I don't think that's necessarily true. But I've no, seen it's, people it's, say it. that. I saw it yeah. said a lot during the game. Yeah, um, We, we both you and I openly acknowledge that we are not, you know, advanced stats, a
0: deep understanding of football guys, right? That's I think the, I grasp it. A I, I, again, with, again, that's a pretty roundabout way of saying we're football dumb.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> know, I was gonna be a little bit nicer yeah, at least okay. to myself. Yeah. I know yeah. what these formations mean. I, I know. Yeah. Game situations and, and coaching strategies, but you know, probably know more about just, basketball Just be, to be quite just Just because
0: just just because you don't know how to fix your toilet doesn't mean you don't know when it's broken,
1: right? That being said, um <laughs> I don't really
0: know how to fix the Oregon defense,
1: and I couldn't yeah. sit here and tell you if it's a coaching thing, if it's a personnel thing. It certainly seems like it's probably some sort of combination. At least in that, the type of personnel isn't conducive to the type of defense they want to run. Yeah. But the thing that confuses me, I guess, is like it is landing and like, I know he's got a different role now,
0: but it is a little surprising. Like to I wouldn't just see this. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I, I think you should give coaches a little leeway in the first year of, of even though it's a, there's a lot of talent on that defense. Um, things don't just always gel in first years. And I, I think you've seen that more, maybe on the offensive side of the ball for Oregon, where like seven McGee has transferred or there's been the threat of other guys um, of, of, of leaving. But, you know, I, I think there is something to like getting, you know, getting people who buy into the system, who who want to be here, you know, the next year and this or that. But again, there, I mean, it's I, I wrote about this in my mailbag a couple of weeks ago, but like, you know, like Noah Sewell's been real. T- I mean, it's it's hard to say absent because again, I'm 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 a little bit football dumb, but you know, like it's just. There, it doesn't seem like there's an impact player on that defense this year. Like, I was just like, all day Saturday was just like waiting for like one guy to make a play. And it just. Yeah. I mean, just... Dorless definitely, definitely is. But the problem is
1: he plays a lot of interior D line. Yeah. So it doesn't show up as much. And a lot of his stats are really advanced stats, C pressure numbers that if it's not a sack, it's like,
0: well, what is he doing? You know? So, right. like, it, I don't know. I, I. I'd be curious. He's not going to give a real answer, but I got to be curious if, like, or let, let me rephrase that. I should have gone to Oregon's press conference Saturday night, but I wanted to get the Washington scene, so I didn't go that way. But I would have liked to ask ask Lanning, just, you're a coach whose, like, whole acumen has been defense. Like, how do you feel about, like, your offense just being so far ahead of, of what your bread and butter is? And I wouldn't, you know, I don't know, it's it's just I, I'm sure I'm sure it, it drives him batty, but
1: Yeah, he's we'll, never gonna we'll, say that. He didn't yeah, he yeah, didn't we'll really pro- say
0: we'll, we'll probably never know. I, you know. Yeah, I, he didn't
1: say essentially anything after the loss of note, I thought, and the players quite honestly didn't either. Bennett, as usual, gave the best answers, Bennett Williams. And he had one that was interesting. He was like he was like, Maybe we're just not taking this seriously enough. And I was like, Well, okay, <laughs> that's a crazy thing to say this far into a season. But
0: um, uh, yeah, that's those are the type of quotes that you started hearing in 2016, like when the wheels were completely yeah. different coming off. It's yeah. just like, like why, why wouldn't you be prepared for this? Like, it's it's a top 25 game with basically the playoffs on the line.
1: Yeah, and he was like, you know, that starts with me, this and that, and he handled it the right way. But I was like, that's a, that's a pretty wild quote to hear. Um, uh-huh. And it's you mentioned that there's been so much turnover with coordinators and position coach. I mean, take Bennett, for example. I know he hasn't been at Oregon the whole time, but in six seasons playing college football, he's had six different position coaches, right? So it's like, think about like you when you were gelling with some of your college professors and not with others. And that's probably a dumb example, but like the man-to-man, the relationship part of it like matters. And these guys haven't had someone they can just spend time with, get to know. And I don't imagine that Lupo is the same kind of bowly character with his players that Landing always is. So
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's a... It's fascinating, man. And I'm like, this is, this is why I like these seasons because, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, we probably could have complained about like, oh, the games are boring and, you know, Oregon's coasting and all these sorts of things. And now we have, a com- <laughs> right. like, it's a, it's a complete uh curveball. I will say I wrote my Bo Nix profile last week and while he did get hurt and while Oregon did lose, I thought he played pretty damn good still. Like I, I, right. I had, I had no problem. Like if Bo Nix... Nicks- doesn't get hurt, they win that game. And I think that's, yes, that's I that means that. he's still a pretty important player. So
1: I don't know. I guess I guess his Heisman buzz was always gonna be linked to Oregon's team success and their playoff hopes. But I think that's dumb because his numbers are just as good as anyone's, if not better. It's it's and... interesting
0: because like in fourteen, uh Oregon had that week uh it was either week four or week five lost to Arizona. And I remember Everyone's columns were like, you know, that was, that's the night Marcus Mariota's Heisman campaign died. He won the Heisman that year, but it also helped that Oregon never lost a football game again until the national championship game. So, I mean, like, like, like Marcus put up video game numbers that entire year, but that was a one loss team. And that was a team that still was in the national spotlight for towards the end of the season. I I feel like this is too late for, for them to recover. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, people just don't watch though like these national guys just don't always watch and then or if they do it's like they finally watch in this game like this and it's just tough because look at his stats are really good he had some quite honestly he had some tough moments in the first half as he has in a, in a few games at times mostly just like a, a few drives in a single quarter but he really patched it together his completion rate was good he made he just, he, just, he just
0: he just made plays man like just just like yeah, watching, and his deep balls are yeah. money deep balls are money yeah just like watching that game and like think yeah obviously the first quarter or so was a bit of a first half was a bit of a struggle but like there's just something about like players who are better than everybody else on the field where even when it's not going right like in a tight game they just start making those plays and that's when you started making you saw nicks like start you know on some of those like qb draws or scrambles or keeping the play alive like he's He's really fun to watch play football. Like I don't I don't know if he's gonna be back next year. I, I hope he is, just because it's 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 the Bo Nicks experience has been very positive so far.
1: Yeah, I was so wrong about him. Uh, um, there was one play that was just fantastic and it was also pretty funny to watch. I can't remember which one of the deep balls it was, whether it was the one to Dante or Detroit Franklin. But one of them, he takes a snap and like rolls out to his right. And they had three guys. It was Josh Delgado. It was one of those two receivers again. I forget which one. And it was one of the like running backs, I think, who had like five to ten yards of separation down the field. And he could have thrown a 50 plus yard touchdown to any of the three. And it looked like one of those old Chiefs plays. Right. Or when Tyreek was there, they'd throw it to one of the guys and Tyreek would run and catch up with the guy because he throws it down and like Josh Delgado is like running behind the guy. And it's just them in an it open space. It's like I thought that was hilarious because every single dude was open by a mile. Um, and yeah, I, this, yeah, it's the, the offense has been so fun. It was just as fun as it's always been yeah. on Saturday.
0: I, um, I, uh, yeah. I, I think in just like wrapping up that game uh, I think my biggest takeaway outside of like the direct impact of like what it means for this year's postseason, like, you're fine Oregon fans. Like this has been still a really good year. I, I don't think there was anything foundational, like foundationally shakingly wrong about that game. Like you lost mm-hmm. to your rival, you're, you lost to your rival who has a very good quarterback. Like you have yeah, some issues. he's leading
1: the nation in passing. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the
0: other thing we didn't even mention. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah, you have some issues and I don't know, may, maybe it's, maybe it's my perennial like Mariners fandom and like thinking that it would be weird to like win the world series in like the first year you make the playoffs per se. But like, do you really want to win like all of this here in like first year with, with land or do you want it to be like building towards a better story? I say that. Right. And then it's, I say that. And then like 22 years later when they haven't, they still haven't made a bolt. You know? <laughs>
1: no, but goes. you, you hit the nail on the head there because, and again, like just to kind of sum this all up, it's like, if they make the playoff this year, the expectation will then be playoffs every year because fans think like that some national media thinks like that some local media thinks like that because especially when you we have these narratives of, well he's going to get his guys in this that whatever growing in the system it's like the it might end up being the best thing that they didn't make it this year because it it sets expectations all out of whack and i don't know for me like that game was a lot more fun than the one that i was at last year where they beat the Huskies, like, what, 26 to 10, was yeah. it, to 13? There, there was game, no manufactured
0: dra- game, drama in this game.
1: That game sucked. That was not fun to watch. This game was so fun to watch, and I I don't know.
0: That's that's my last thoughts on it. You know, I was going to say, like, anything else from the week, uh pique your interest, but I, I think this was a strong podcast, man. I, th- I think we can probably leave it at the Washington stuff unless there's, there's anything uh real top of mind for you here.
1: I mean, I, I don't even think we need to get into Oregon hoops. That was, uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll be at the PK-85. We'll see how it turns out. That, yeah, was, long, that was a tough long, one. long, long,
0: long, long season. Um, but this is November. This yeah. is November. I,
1: uh, yeah. yeah, I don't really have anything out on that game. I wasn't there. I just score watched. I'm glad I wasn't
0: there. I'm glad I didn't watch the game back. Um this week on the i5 corridor uh I have a fun feature that's coming out on Tuesday. Uh it's this random random football fan who has been to all every FBS state stadium the last like 2 years. Uh he was at Austin Stadium finishing up a crazy like 14 days 14 day stretch of like 10 games in 14 days. Uh, it, it's very on par for cor- corridor content. Um and then also we're going to stop out at Linfield and do Check in with uh, check in with them as they prepare for the start of the Division Three playoffs. They're undefeated. Another really great Linfield team uh, should be should be fun to see how uh, those playoffs go for a playoff contending team in the state of Oregon. So uh, that's what I got. So
1: yeah, and in classic fashion, um, the angle I've been working towards got um, <laughs> swiftly eviscerated this weekend. So we're gonna have to pivot, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens
0: yeah all right well thanks for listening everybody um would love it if you'd subscribe if at i-5 corridor.com it helps us uh keep doing this but uh yeah we'll we'll be back next week and you'll be back next week we're still here the sun rose this morning a lot of football left to play